0: Go ahead and just say um, something for me real we're, quick.
1: We're not going to rec- record the whole interview with a click track. That, that could be interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it, I mean, I, I, I think there's something to be said about rhythm for, you know, interviews, but not exactly that kind of rhythm. Can you tell me the story of Faust one more time? It's
1: a kind of, not Faust story. First. It was the story of Faust. Uh,
0: He also and he wanted to know Or notice it was At the end of his But he can't
1: I'm Possibly get All fever or drugs <laughs> The legend said that He made a deal with the devil mm-hmm. For his powers
0: And then he will appear This is CMN. Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're really glad to have you. This, of course, is Chaos Magic News. I'm Sound of Music Kennedy. Um, we have an amazing guest today. Honestly, it's a honor and a privilege to have them. Um, Benjamin Beardsley is a lot of things. I mean, calling him a renaissance man in the occult world today is not an understatement either in the amount of things that he has done or in the fact that over the years, I think his work will be more and more relevant and more and more prevalent. Um, But in the most basic sense, Ben is an actor, a writer, a pundit, a teacher, a troll, a noob, and more than anything, a magician. Um, Ben has spent the vast majority of his time since I've known him in Tokyo, where he's been both writing acting and of course being arguably and maybe not so inaccurately self-described as the greatest chaos magician of his generation. Um, he is, <laughs> he has many times been seen trolling through various occult places. I'm sure our listeners have seen his post um bringing out some of the most thought-provoking and interesting ideas in chaos magic, mostly by acting like he has no clue what the hell he is talking about. Um Ben currently has a Substack that if you haven't read it, I strongly encourage you to go check it out. Um again, the amazing hyper sigil that is true bromance which your fair news man here has no shame in admitting he's not fully understand is some of the most radical fiction of I've read not only this year but probably in the last couple of years so with that huge spiel out of the way um Ben how you doing man
1: Holy fuck, man. I don't I don't know. I've got a real that was a real emotional roller coaster. I was real nervous until you got to the noob part.
0: Yeah, good, good. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. I mean, we, <laughs> nice. you and I both know and we don't have to peel back the curtain for everybody, but um, we've had a handful of technical difficulties right at the beginning here. But, you know, it wouldn't be chaos magic if you didn't have some chaos in there.
1: Um, chaos in it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um. So I think the first question, and it's kind of the thing that we've been rolling out with all the other interviews and all the interviews we have planned, but it's a real basic question that doesn't have a very basic answer. So I'm really glad to ask you among first among a lot of people. um, Why is chaos magic important? Why should you care about it, especially today? Wow. <laughs> Fuck if I know. Um, that's
1: the almost honest answer earlier about what chaos magic is, and I, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I do know a little bit about about how it started, but I think whatever it was, now it's mostly an ethos. Um, I think, and and it's a kind of uh, what do I want to say? It's like a a 19, like the nineteen seventies punk DIY ethos of, um. Appropriating art for the people, so I think if it's if it's going to be robust, if it's going to be important, I think the way it's going to be important is by putting tools into the hands of people, um, create creative tools, tools to explore uh, how things work outside of uh, existing paradigms, and uh, sort of build your own relationship with whatever the forces that be are. I think maybe,
0: (laughs) I mean that I haven't gotten a better answer yet, so I'll go with it. Um, I think especially because you're, we both have writing in common here. I think one of the interesting parallels to what has happened with chaos magic today is really similar. What's happened with writing, um, Mm -hmm. in a, in the most basic sense, I feel like especially a lot of a lot of modern writing, aside from, you know, the commercialized young adult novel area. But even some of that, I suppose, has really been about taking older ideas and repackaging them in a way that actually gets at something interesting you know, I think the, mm-hmm. the, you know, well, and I guess even in, you know, like things like television today too. one of the easiest routes to get someone interested in anything that you're working on is to just be like, hey, you remember you remember this, this thing we did. What if we did that different this time? And I think chaos well, magic. Yeah, is, I think
1: iterations are a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah.
0: No, you're good. Mm. You're good. I wasn't trying to cut you off, but I think um, mm. chaos magic today has really taken off in that. You know, uh, there's there's two basic ways that people go when you start doing magic now. Right. You either find mm-hmm. a bunch of really old spells or, you know, even if old is just like Crowley at this point, but, you know, older things and you just try them out and see how they work or you just go like, you know, you just find how to do a sigil and just start going crazy with it. Right. It's either you, you're you either trying to like find what has a purpose and what has a niche and how you can use it today or you just start trying to make up whatever the hell you can but even when you're making things up nowadays it's like it you'll be hard pressed to find someone that hasn't been like oh yeah you know this is a lot like you know spare or a lot like kenneth grant or you know peter carroll whoever you want to throw out there like it's pretty common but um one thing i wanted to ask you about especially you know, given that I kind of skimmed through true romance again, before we were talking, um, as far as, um, how magic has informed your writing, like what's the, what, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like a really obvious thing, right? It's like, Oh yeah, this guy's a magic person writing, but, um, what, what actually got you to start focusing on writing as a magical practice? You think?
1: Ooh, good one uh let me take the long way to get to that because you said a bunch of things that i'd like to respond to go for
0: it go for it
1: um so i yeah so you read true Romance, which is the first iteration of a sort of fractal saga I think iterations, when I when I think about nature or I think about the universe unfolding, um, I, I think iterations are sort of a, a key and a, a, a fundamental thing that happens, a fundamental part of process. Nothing is complete until it's complete, and it takes multiple iterations for something to get there. Um, so when we talk about chaos magic as like a, a, an iteration of magic, for example, <laughs> by the way i'm going to i'm going to take a little tangent and then come back to this Go let's ahead. cut that first part and just put this in when you after you <laughs> ask me the thing let's let's say i want to define chaos magic as a postmodern punk rock diy approach to applied spirituality that takes the hands that takes dogma out of the hands of a priesthood and and puts the tools in the hands of the people at its best at its best that's what it is but i i also have concerns that it's already fossilizing into a dogma um you said uh, you, you had a little riff about uh, eh, what, what, um, what, new, what is new and how, how, new, how original things arise or something. Right. But um, it, it reminded me that when I was in school, um, I had a couple of coincidences where uh, I had a teacher explain genius. And what she said about genius was that genius isn't creating something new. It's uh, taking existing elements and reassembling them into, into a novel form. And then later in art school, not not later, like within a year in art school. That's later. <laughs> uh, I heard a professor giving a, a lecture on collage. And he said, what collage is, is taking existing elements and reassembling them into a novel form. And I was like, holy fuck, genius is collage. <laughs> 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 um I, I, think, I think you're going to be hard-pressed to find an original idea. I mean, Solomon couldn't, and that was a little while ago. So, so I, I think basically what humans do is we filter and reassemble. Like, we filter out elements, we find, we find um, patterns, and then we exploit those patterns to rearrange elements into, into a novel uh, configuration. And that's sort of what I'm doing with Faust. It's obviously obviously um uh, true sorry, yeah, true Bromance is the latest iteration of this Faust cycle that I'm working on, which is a sequel and a reboot of the original Faust chat books, which are probably best known from by you know Goethe's version and uh and Marlowe's version before that um and when I got into it one of the uh, one of the appealing points of the legend for me, which is also just pure hubris um was the idea that of all of the ways to become immortal, one of the easiest ways to become immortal is to attach your name to something that's already got legs so yeah. the project started out as a way <laughs> of um. Like like I think most art, it started out as a way of trying to beat death, but it's an explicitly magical project. Um, And uh, when I started writing it, I thought it was going to be a very easy project. I thought I was going to spend maybe about six weeks taking this story and making a two-act, one-man play out of it. And in the first act, I would be the philosopher exploring philosophy and talking about this deal he made with the devil. And in the second act, I tell the same story from the devil's perspective. But when I started to open up the story and look at what was inside of it, all of these um, weird treasures started to come out. And I started to have to learn, like, what is what is morality, what is mortality, what is magic? uh, what is philosophy and, uh, (laughs) what is writing? And it became a a big sprawling project that's still ongoing after 23 years.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, um, you know, the, when, when we first uh, met, you were still doing various, I mean, you were working on the project, obviously. Um, and it's, you know, I didn't know if it was actually like, I didn't know, like, does this guy just, like, build his own mythos, like, whenever he's working on something new? Or is this really something that he's been just, like, is this something that's become so ingrained in who he is that he kind of just drags it around with him, whether he wants to or not? And I think, you know. Yes, the, and yeah. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the first off, I mean, I was familiar with Faust just tangentially before I met you, but just. I, I got more into it because of reading your work. Like I I had right. a copy of a, uh, you know, Goethe's Faust that I got from, um I think it was my aunt or something. She just had a copy of it laying around and I was like, Oh, finally I'll understand what the fuck Ben's talking about. I mean, it didn't, it, it didn't exactly. <laughs> you, you? It, no, no, I don't. But, <laughs> but it made the problem more interesting, which I think is a lot of what you're looking for when you're looking at any sort of um story that has that sort of depth to it.
1: Well, I think earlier when you were doing that, that uh, lovely and hyperbolic intro of me, you mentioned the trolley part. I, I I think for me, I have a real distrust of dogma, which manifests as a distrust of declarative statements, you know, rules. Um, and I would rather ask questions and be asked questions. I'd rather have questions than than answers personally, because I don't think you learn anything from answers. I think the state of being open and, and questioning the sort of this radical agnostic position of what do I really know and how do I know it um, leaves you open for more learning than, than having easy answers. And, and I, I don't think anybody really has answers to the big questions about life and beauty and, and, you know, struggle and what it is and why. I don't I don't I don't and I don't know that answers are really relevant. Like you can you can trick people with answers into you know becoming followers but like you know what I mean then then what's the point of that you you they lose their humanity. So what's the value?
0: Um having a nice cult with um women that bring you grapes I think is the the value in it. But that, you
1: know? where faust is going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: No, no I I I i agree with you entirely um there's a Kuhn quote that i'm i'll mangle if i try to remember it but it has something to the effect of the idea of um answers are always shaped by questions so you have to ask the right kind of questions or and that sort of thing it has to do with the way you know Kuhn wrote on um what was what's the name of the book it was the sci- the structure of scientific revolutions and oh, yeah. he was, I think he was the, I don't know if he was the first guy to really get it out Paradigm there. Shift. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and, um, crap, where was I going with that? Oh yeah. Um, but, and, um, Cornell West always talked about, mm. you know, the, um, the quest for truth. It's like, you never reach yeah. cat truth, capital T it's always, you mm-hmm. know, the, the journey towards it. And I think the, I think the, the fur, the, you know, I, I can't remember. I'm sure someone smart said it, but, cause I know I didn't come up with it, but the, you know, the more I know, you no, know, the more I learn, the less I know, right? You know, every time, oh, yeah. every, you know, I, I, I've spent, you know, the last at least two and a half years really pouring into philosophy as a way to try Mm -hmm. and understand magic better and all it's done to me is start going like you know philosophy is just kind of magic you know it's just really setting up things it is
1: it is it It becomes the same thing yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah i mean you know again take five minutes reading hegel and just not tell me that like oh this guy's a big old wizard he's just coming up with random fucking shit to come up that makes no sense until you start applying it and then it makes everything make sense You know, it's
1: I think even if we go into classical Kabbalah, right, like there's there's the philosophical, like literally, literally, etymologically, the philosophical branch of Kabbalah, which is just searching for knowledge of, um, you know, the big whatever it is. And then there's the applied part, which is verboten, which is the magical part. Right. Yeah. Um, there there's a I think I think Marlowe in his version of the Faust story quoted quoted was it Aristotle? I don't remember I'm just gonna say it's Aristotle because that sounds authoritative and it's good to have a name. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> um, who said, All I know is that I know nothing. But yeah then he had Faust add, and that burned my heart. And that that really informs my uh my quest with this story i i really i i really do the more i unpack the uh, unpack what even knowledge is the less certain i am of my fundamental assumptions about stuff at least so far
0: (laughs) at least so far that's the the ultimate (laughs) underpinning of ben's beard so he's like at least so far but uh uh, (laughs) yeah kind of a a question that trails elsewhere with this um Mm -hmm. you know faust is sort of a a, it's a classic tale both as a piece itself, and with the sort of themes and structure that it has in the Western world, but you yourself have been mm-hmm. in Tokyo for how long now? <laughs> a long time, right? Um, is it, it? It's um, I, I guess my question is, um, is yeah, how is um, because I know you were you were an apprentice under a Buddhist monk at one point, and again, you've been in. Oh, yeah. You know, you've been that's in cool. the the far off exotic land of Japan for so long now. Yeah, it's yeah. like, the, go ahead.
1: <laughs> that's two. That's two separate things, though. I was an apprentice under a Buddhist monk in New Jersey. Oh, nice full disclosure. And uh, <laughs> and and uh, I came to I mean, there. there are, I'll tell a different story every time somebody asks. Basically, but my narrative about why I'm in Japan right now has to do with deconditioning. I have a weird relationship with language. So that if people are talking behind me in a language that I understand, it's very easy for me to confuse their conversation with my thoughts. Mm-hmm. And at the time as an actor, uh, I was annoyed by the uh, discongruity between what people would say and then the physical actions or gestures that they would do. So I was getting like a lot of noise to the signal and I wanted to go to a place where I couldn't understand the verbal cues. So I would have to focus on the visual cues. Um, and, uh, that was an interesting experiment. I came to a country where people are psychic by culture. (laughs) Wow. Um, and have a, have a, uh, uh, sort of, mechanism of politeness built into the culture that that involves not showing your feelings but on the other hand they also have a cultural mechanism of like trying to anticipate and understand other people's um
0: intentions
1: i mean i don't know it makes sense it's, it's different from the from from the environment that i write in for sure
0: oh definitely right right um you know, um, I can't even remember who it was. I think it was um, Guattari made the comment about how he thought that the Japanese psyche was impossible to penetrate with psychoanalysis. And I always think that's <laughs> yeah. A, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, again, it's a it's a weird statement to think about, but I I think it has a lot to do with you know our um our inability from our cultural standpoint to quite understand any other culture. I mean, you know, again, even being immersed in it so much to a point that, you know, you've been, you know, you've been there for a while now. Um I'm sure there's a certain bias or perspective that you have that's from, you know, just growing up in the states obviously that's there, but I I think it's interesting to uh i like I, said, I i think it's an i i definitely have never heard that they're psychic by as a culture that's a that's definitely a new one for me well i i think that
1: there was a there there was um uh there was a kind of clear cultural divergence like i well, i don't know like if we compare ancient greece and ancient china mm-hmm. um there there in greece uh dialectic emerged as a way of trying to get to fundamental issues and there's this idea of focusing on elements right like uh, atomic elements what's the most basic unit of this thing um whereas in china uh there was much more focus on uh the on that we all exist in in some sort of um organic harmony uh and because of that uh western culture generally evolved to be much more explicit and uh, dualistic um whereas uh in japanese culture it's much the atmosphere and harmony are much more important than than you know ego is for us i don't know it's complicated and i and i really probably shouldn't be talking about it because i'm definitely not an expert i've only lived here for 23 years (laughs) <laughs> um but it's definitely a different way of looking at things one of the one of the things that comes up a lot for me which is so interesting um is i i have a a, a very great friend who's a, a little tiny witchy oba who a little old lady who i uh love to have tea with she's also a writer and she often says like i'll say something i'll I'll say my opinion about something and she'll say you only think that because you're a christian
0: (laughs) oh man i love that (laughs) that's usually
1: my reaction which just bemuses her Um, (laughs) (laughs) but
0: yeah, I don't know.
1: It's, it's I different. I didn't have Christian it, in my got, list got of got qualifications um, for you
0: earlier. <laughs> oh yeah. man. Oh, wow. Um I I remember you and I were having discussion I from one of mm. your posts about um mm-hmm. what are they called uh, the derumas and we were discussing oh, yeah. how like that you're like if you know for for our perspective we look at that and that's like entirely like a weird superstitious or even a magical kind of ritual. And for right. them, it's just like a thing you do. It's, you know, like it's a thing you do. Yeah,
1: it's just, you just do a yeah. thing. It's it's still a ritual. It's still magical, but they would never say it's a magical ritual. I don't think I don't think.
0: Right. I, think. I mean, we have a, we have a couple things here, you know, in the States that we do. You know, people knock on wood and such. But I think we're a lot sure. more clear about that being like, uh, you know, we all actively. Make, oh, yeah, it's a superstition, but I just do it. Well the other thing about the
1: superstitious element is that like I think for western people Daruma is like a good luck doll right but mm-hmm. it, it's the it's the um the mechanism of the doll is the mechanism that made weebles work where like you knock it over and then it's weighted on the bottom so it just rolls back up and the and the um the i i, I uh what is it the state the saying that goes with that is like fall down seven times get up eight or something oh, right! and it's more of a symbol of resilience and and perseverance than it is like some kind of external force that's going to do anything for you i think
0: right 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 i can get that um well there's a really simple way to Uh, bridge back into magic there so let's do it um let's do it how again as someone that tends to have this um very heavily you know model agnosticism sort of thing going on oh yeah um, how much you know i mean again uh, giving getting you to give me a straight answer on this is one thing but um the intersection of magic as actual you know force being exerted into the universe and then just placebo oh, yeah. affecting yourself to success is a really yeah, thin yeah. line and yeah I I'm I'm always interested by it because I think a lot of people um as far as their practices concerned or when they talk about it they'll say that yeah. they don't have a stance on it but I think a lot of people yeah. fall one way or the other pretty hard in fact I can think of like uh, go yeah. ahead go ahead
1: no, I'm sorry. Sorry. Well, you I was gonna say I,
0: I was. Gonna, I can think of offhanded like three people I know that are incredibly hard up on like. Oh yeah, no these there are spirits in this house right now. Oh and yeah, and then I can think about oh, four yeah, yeah. more of them that are like you know I yeah. don't know I just I sage my house because it it makes me feel good so that's all it that really matters yeah 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 um, yeah 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 as far as um your experience doing. Oh, magic yeah. like yeah. how how yeah. how radically do you shift back and forth from those two positions do you think like, you
1: you mean in the course of the day,
0: right? Right. <laughs> like
1: um th- there's definitely spirits in this house, like for sure. 100% there is. And I mean, how how do you know there's a spirit? You can see it, you can hear it, you can smell it, you can feel it. You know what I mean? When you walk into a room, you can read the air. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or not or not. You can you don't have to. Um uh, how how wooey do I get? My rational mind has little use for it. Um, I don't need to think about supernatural effects. On the other hand, if I do need to think about super, supernatural effects because I'm having some kind of you know emotional desperation, um, and I do my mumbo jumbo, uh, pretty consistently, weird coincidences follow. So, I mean, I'm gonna fall real hard right in the middle and say I don't know if it works, but I don't mind acting like it does.
0: Yeah, the, the I, I I almost introduce you as the last true chaos magic you know, magician because of this, because <laughs> again, you're you're one of the few people I know that I think is g- genuinely convinced that it's like I don't have a good answer for any of this stuff, but if it works at the moment, it freaking works. So who fucking cares? I mean. Sure, there, there there
1: are there are basic rational levels where it does work, like you were saying about placebo effect. That's huge these days, right? Like oh, right. placebo effect is getting stronger, and scientists don't know why. Was a headline from a popular science. Oh headline. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, I mean, you know, I for me personally, uh, I I my relationship with the universe is a relationship with story um whatever the domain like if i if i subscribe to a scientific worldview which you know as a modern rational western person of course i do um i see that as story and if i'm getting down with my mumbo jumbo then i see that as story earlier when you asked if i always mythologize when i start on a project right now i'm working with a band and as as their um, publicity manager. Oh wow! And part of my job is building a mythology for them. Um, I, uh, I I was super influenced by Joseph Campbell when I was a young artist. Ah. Um, and and before I got into Campbell, I was into Jung. And the reason I was into Jung was as a blueprint to the elements that I'm manipulating as an artist. Right. mm Hmm. I I needed a model for what I'm doing. So I don't make, I can't make claims to truth. I really, uh, that's just weird to me. But um, what I am comfortable saying is that when I relate to the world, I'm relating to stories and I'll change a narrative to suit my purposes. Like people do consciously or not. Oh, definitely. Uh, so, So when I need it, when I need to be, when I need to be, superstitious. I can be as superstitious as anybody. And, but if I'm going to talk to somebody about it, if somebody comes at me with a whole bunch of woo and spirits, and then, then my question is always like, how do you know? Yeah. How do you know? Like, I understand that's your worldview. That's cool. That's fine. People have worldviews. Please uh, don't try to make me understand that your worldview is the one correct and true worldview, because that's not going to stick.
0: Yeah, it's 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 definitely not gonna work. Um, I the the one thing that really attracted me to chaos magic, especially because um, I got into chaos magic from Thalema, Right? Is oh, yeah. how willing people were to be like, yeah, that's that's a load of crap because. The right. Thelomites really love, like I, you know, the the old joke about, uh, like, you know, if you ask a Thelomite a question, yes, two Thelomites a question, yeah. you get five different answers. Um, right, they right. they really like playing up that myth that that idea. But at least as far as my experience was, Thelomites tend to fall in like one of three camps. There's the anti-Crowley yeah. camp, the pro-Crowley camp, yeah. and the I am Crowley camp. <laughs> nice. Yeah, like those are the three camps you fall into as a Thelemite nowadays. Um
1: I mean, every, everybody that's a Thelemite for six months is suddenly the reincarnation of Alistair Crowley.
0: However. Oh yeah. That's why I I've been telling everybody I'm just the I'm the reincarnation of Victor Newberg. And this is my sad nice. fate to just constantly meet nice. every Aleister Crowley reincarnation. <laughs> um nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um I think the most interesting thing about um, narrative, aside from the mm. psychology aspects of it, you know, I think Lacan was the one who uh, made a big deal about pointing out that we we live by creating fiction. Right. And, you mm-hmm. know, not necessarily in the sense of fiction being false, but fiction being narrative. Um, right. I think, you know, and you're you're completely right about people changing narratives to suit their purposes in their everyday life. And anyone that had a parent that was um, not exactly on the up and up all the time knows that because they'll immediately take, you know, they're the Kings of being like, Oh, Hey, you remember that thing I told you to do? And you're like, you did not tell me to do that thing. And like, well, you know, I did, I told you 45 times now you're grounded. But, and I, I think, you know, part of it is the, um, the unreliability of memory right you know and that's hilarious
1: pe- i was just making a note of that i just wrote memory is unreliable yeah yeah, exactly <laughs> i mean I, do you and, remember right memories all the time i, I think it's <laughs> hilarious like one of the one of the uh fun games i have with my best friend is we reconstruct memories of uh events that we've um experienced and it's Uh, often very instructive to me, like between the two of us, we can put together a sequence and, and recall events. And there's always hyperbole. And, uh, I'm confident that our reconstructions are more accurate than either of our, uh, original memories, but we completely rewrite them in the course of reminiscing. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm only saying me in that case as a kind of metaphor for you, the listener.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've, I've experienced that a lot, too. Um, you know, again, I I grew up with a twin brother and one of the quickest ways to figure out that you can't really trust your memory is two people that look the same and are both, mm. you know, admittedly kind of funny trying to Mm -hmm. remember who said the funny joke at the party
1: oh yeah (laughs) yeah and
0: and, you know at that, it's
1: really easy to appropriate other people's memories and to put people into memories where they weren't Mm -hmm. i get this with my best friend a lot as well where we'll talk about like oh do you remember that time and then like no i wasn't there like
0: oh oh. (laughs) well i guess you (laughs) wouldn't then (laughs) are you sure because i remember you there (laughs) think harder yeah yeah you're
1: definitely there in
0: my memory right now (laughs) Yeah um so i i i guess um going to the memory area this is probably an interesting thing um you mentioned that you became a hypnotist at one point um oh yeah 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 i had a phase a phase (laughs) that's (laughs) you know most people when they have a phase they like get a new haircut start wearing a leather jacket Uh, hypnotism's pretty um pretty rare on the phase um what what brought that about especially i guess in terms of Mm magic itself being such a big thing here, like where's the intersection of that for you? Okay. Well,
1: uh, there, there, there was quite an intersection. A couple of things happened. So I mentioned that uh, I was interested in getting past uh, spoken language. Um, As an actor at that time, I spent about 10 years studying nonverbal communication. Um, so I was doing. I had a theater company in the states, and we were doing perform like mask based performance without dialogue to explore uh, how clearly a story could be t- told more non verbally. Um, and then after I did that for a while, I thought like, okay, I, I'm kind of interested in understanding how words work now. Um, and then I had this beautiful encounter at a bar with some friends and this woman who asked a lot of questions in the first half of the conversation while giving up nothing. She didn't follow the reciprocation rule of conversation, which I thought was interesting. And then she just like crucified and dissected me in the second half of the conversation. And it was such a brutal experience, um, that I had to spend three years alone in a room. Oh, wow. Um, at at that time, uh, I had the resources to do that. I had to go to work one day a week oh. and then six days a week, I stayed in the room. I had, I built an altar because at that time I was also interested in what ceremonial magic was. And I had a library that occupied the other three walls of the room and, um, I sent off uh, a letter to my uncle who was a medical doctor. He had worked for the FDA, and he had also become a hypnotist in the 70s as an anesthesiologist because he discovered that uh, using a combination of hypnosis and anesthesia, you could reduce the anesthesia uh, by... uh, a significant percentage, which was better for the, for the patient. And you could do things like ask them to control their bleeding or their heart rate, and they would be able to do that. So that was a useful tool for him. So he had uh, a bunch of books uh, on his bookshelf uh, that he wasn't using anymore that he sent to me. So I got a case of books about clinical hypnotherapy. Um, And I just studied Milton Erickson. And then I got into NLP as uh, a way of understanding how the humans spoke, like uh, Ah, starting, starting with first generation NLP. And then I got to watch how that evolved and transformed into, you know, the political discourse and, and uh, public relations fiasco that it is today. Um, which was all interesting, but I, but I spent, Oh, also in that book, in that box, in that fateful box of books, there was also a slim volume that was uh, something like a history of modern Western conscious, modern Western masculine consciousness in three stories. And the first story was Don Quixote, where um, the, uh, where the unconscious projects, it's dragons and demons out onto the world, but it's not, a, not really an issue because you can still take effective action. You can go, you can go slay that windmill or whatever. You can go slay right, that dragon yeah. or whatever. You, know, you, you just act on your hallucinations. And then the second stage of uh, modern masculine consciousness, he, he assigned to Hamlet, which is the modern state of indecision, where you're torn between what your unconscious drives are and what you consciously feel like you should be doing and and you get that kind of par- paralysis. And I thought like I've got the hamlets. <clears throat> and this uh th- this guy's solution to that was uh Goethe's Faust where you project your shadow out into the world and then you literally deal with your demon. Oh wow. Um And I thought, like, this is cool. I'll I'll do I'll have me some of that then. (laughs) um, So when I said it was a phase, it's an ongoing phase. (laughs) I relate to communication as hypnosis now. Wow, that's amazing. As for the connection between hypnosis and magic, I don't understand the difference. Traditionally, there wasn't a difference. The difference is just this modern mania for categorization right
0: like oh, definitely right,
1: okay, you know uh, uh so they both for me, they both interact with reality on the level of narrative and symbol
0: definitely, definitely the easiest way to put it there. um I just have to ask before we go anywhere else with that you you gave us two yeah. of the stories. Did you just not did you get to the Faust part in the Hamlet and just be like, you know, I think I'm good here. Just leave the book. What was the Uh, third story? You know,
1: yeah, no, the third one was Hamlet. So the first one was Don Quixote. The second one was Hamlet. Oh, sorry. The third one was Faust.
0: Oh, okay, Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So so when I read the
1: Faust bit, I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let me do that. Let me do some shadow work real quick. I'll just Uh, six weeks on shadow work and that'll be
0: done. And then I'll have to solve all my issues and life will be smooth sailing from now on. I'm going to individuate. I'll be fine. Everything will be good. I'll be fine. (laughs) Exactly. Uh. Still individuating 23 years later. I mean, you know, (laughs) there there's worse things to be doing. We I'm sure we all know plenty of people that are, you know, still just fighting with their shadow on the daily and don't even realize it.
1: There's a lot of people who aren't fighting with their shadow on the daily and don't realize it. Well, Um, yeah, I I, I think in discourse, there's a there's a funny thing where people often use talking points in lieu of thought and they really believe that they have an opinion.
0: Mm, Yeah. Oh.
1: and it comes out just like is structured exactly like they heard it like you know i don't know it's it's uh, it's a quirk of the moder- of modernity i guess
0: i mean a, a quirk is one way of putting it um mm. i i think um, <laughs> <laughs> i um oh god where was i going with that now um right <laughs> gotcha um just to, to tail back to the beginning of the conversation where we, yeah. where you were talking about the ethos of chaos magic sort of being, you know, the, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. similar to the DIY punk aesthetic at the time. Um, there's a, there's a certain political element to that. And I think that's, um I, what, what made me think back to it was just the, the statement about, you know, Oh, you know, they, they think they have opinions and they just come out structured because, you know, I, if you need to see an example of that, just spend five minutes in literally any, Social media forum about, you know, where people are discussing politics and you'll see the vast majority of them kind of regurgitating opinions, even ones that seem very eloquent and and, you know, well thought out. But you're I think you're completely right that a lot of these people have become very caught in a narrative as in, that's what well, I mean, yeah sure. I mean of course, I think we all are, but it's more of yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the ability to realize it I suppose more than anything at this point well
1: it's also it's also been intentionally weaponized like people people do have a tendency to um, re- i mean anybody that has had a friend for a long time and has heard their friend repeat stories understands even if they're not conscious of doing it themselves that we have stories and we repeat the stories. They go on a loop. We refine them over time. They get better with each iteration until they reach their final form, which, you know, we keep repeating forever.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and a lot of, so, so a lot of our uh, outputs are unconsciously very like their inputs and uh, yeah, I don't know. It it, it just makes having conversations interesting sometimes (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um,
1: but can't you see it's true
0: (laughs) (laughs) no it's all right (laughs) it's all right um i I, what what i'm curious about more than anything is if if we look at magic today as something to be reappropriated back to you know the normal normal people, or you know, maybe not normal, but you know, people. Yeah, yeah. You know, everyday the people, people. The people. Yeah. Um, the what people. If, if is there? If, do you think there's any sort of danger in the area of like what people will do with magic? More than anything, I mean, we've
1: seen it recently in politics, right? Um, I, 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 I politics is is also a funny word for me because. It sounds like an abstraction, but it's really about allocation of resources yeah um i i yeah i uh do i i yeah. i mean Faust is a morality tale right like when the the first the first iteration of Faust was a um chat book in the early days of the printing press it was a, a forbidden book, and um the story was uh, and, and it was scandalous, right? It was shocking. People, people were just being allowed to read. And of course, what they were allowed to read was the Bible and sanctioned commentary on the Bible. Right. So this sensational story of a rule breaker who makes a deal with the devil became a smash hit, you know?
0: Yeah. First anti-hero kind the of devil thing, is, right?
1: <laughs> a, it, the devil's always a charismatic character. Um, but, um. It, but but and and the, so the moral of the story from the beginning was you know don't don't fuck with nature i i think a lot of um don't fuck with the natural order i think a lot of uh i religion is a funny word for me but i think a lot of religions in the world outside of the big 3 that western people tend to think of when they think of religion have prohibitions against using magic um to to meet your own ends and and in my experience magic can function as a kind of uh this is going to be a can of worms but it can be a kind of karmic accelerant you can achieve your goals faster but also you get to recognize and deal with your suppressed issues oh right right yeah the reason that you're not achieving those things so smoothly right now is because you got some blockages, right? And, uh, those blockages might be a manifestation of some shit. You might be better off dealing with, um, rather than trying to, uh, you know, skirt around. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I've got mixed feelings about magic as a practice. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. For me, for me in my life, I, I navigate by it, which is, and and if my son was to come to to me and say like Dad I I got i I'm, here's my plan I'm gonna do some mumbo jumbo and then I'm gonna be fine I'd be like son please examine that plan <laughs> you
0: know? Why don't you rethink about this I I know waving a wand to get what you want sounds like a cool idea but I don't know if it's gonna work this time but uh- Well also you don't just get what you want Oh right <laughs> like, you Yeah get what
1: you want plus everything that comes with it You know what I mean. And sometimes that can be a lot. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I mean, I think most of the time it's a lot. I, I, it's, I, it can uh, be a lot. Yeah, you, you know, um, I I have this term that I've used for people because it's, it's just a kind of a phenomena I've noticed. Right. Um. There's mm-hmm. there's a group of there's a subsect of magical people that I call them disaster magicians. Right. And the only oh, time yeah. the only time because the only time I ever see them doing magic or talking about doing magic yeah. is when things have gone completely fucking awry in their life. Right. And well, no atheists uh, in a. Soul, right right yeah exactly yeah but you know and but these are people that as as far as like you know you know again they're they're in all the groups they're in you know they're they'll talk magic mm-hmm. with you and stuff but the only time i ever see them actually doing anything is always like yeah. hey my rent is due in three days so i'm gonna call up uh, yeah exactly and i i <laughs> yeah. i I've always felt like that was like the the biggest kind of a tell for one of the one of the bigger issues of being a magician is that if you you spend your time, you know, learning how to, you know, uh, ostensibly make things happen, you can get really complacent very quickly and think that, like, you oh, know, yeah. you know, everything, you know, it's fine. None of my problems in, internally or, you know, none of the material issues of my life are going to matter because I can just magic myself out of it if it really gets bad enough. Right. Right.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know a smuggler once, a Nepalese smuggler who was talking about people's relationship with Ganesh. And he said, yeah, the, the time to pray to Ganesh is when you're in a cell on the border
0: in the mountains. <laughs> and
1: the police are going through your bags.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I love that. Oh, God. Uh, you know, Ganesh Chaturthi was earlier, um, this month or last month because it's the first now, but you know, um, so right. it's, it's, I always love that because, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things, um, you know, I, I never really even. Uh, some guru at some in some video told me d- d- um essentially like, you know, Chaturthi, uh Chatterthi, you know, Ganesha come down and you know, we all g- celebrate, everyone has a great time, and then at the end of it we put Ganesh in the water and then no one think about Ganesh no more. And I was always like, yeah, Man, yeah, 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 like yeah. that's a uh, that's kind of jacked up if you think about it. Like, you know, yeah, well, it's a weird relationship. Yeah, it's definitely different.
1: Uh, um yeah. I don't know. My my uh my kid's mom is mad at him cuz he only ever calls her when he wants money. So <laughs>
0: I guess <it's> like that. <laughs> Oh man, um I'll I'll tell a little bit too much about myself here I guess, but um I remember one of my formative experiences with religion being like When I was real young and my girlfriend broke up with me, and I was having a terrible time in life. And I remember praying to God and then having the realization as I was praying to God, like, you're really coming to the most vital fundamental force yeah. and being in the universe and being like my girlfriend left me i'm sad could you please fix it <laughs> it's like maybe that's not how you need to approach it like you know especially considering that i was like an i was uh, you know again i was for all intents and purposes i was an atheist at the time i would argue about religion with right. people and stuff and then it's like ah things are yeah. bad come on god help me out buddy Please i'm sorry
1: well, uh, yeah I mean this is a th- I mean this is really a theme for me, like um it, it relates to the hypnosis thing people uh, so the one of the um one of the big universals i think in, in a lot of theory of hypnosis is that people have a conscious mind and then they have a bigger unconscious mind
0: uh, and yes. the unconscious
1: mind is really the driver, and it incorporates a lot of habit and a lot of um desire a lot of suppressed stuff and so when uh, often what people are consciously has of course it has a relationship to what they are unconsciously but you know a lot of the most rational people i mean i mean this is i'm I'm really trying to tell the atheist in a foxhole story (laughs) right yeah when when people are in need there is an ancient primal mechanism that just switches on you know what I mean? Everybody mm-hmm. prays in that last minute.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. The quick hail Mary when you're falling from a truck. Hail Mary, man. <laughs> yeah, yes. um, it's. I, I, I think more than anything, um, mm. the there is a, I, and I, I say this as someone that has a lot of really hardcore opinions about the conscious and the unconscious. Mostly from mm-hmm. reading too much Heidegger and being like everything's mm-hmm. Descartes' fault. Obviously, it's so simple. But, yeah, but, yeah. That that's where the bifurcation <laughs> happened. Oh right, yeah, of course. But, but <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's a nice point to blame, at least as far as modernity goes, right? You you're really, like you know if yeah. if I, I can just if I got one person I can just th- can make my freaking whipping boy philosophically. I can just yell about Descartes being wrong about things. But um, absolutely, I think it's I think there's a really base need for humans to have some sort of rapport and appeal to higher powers if for nothing else other than a survival kind of mechanism right
1: well i mean yeah this is oh this is great can i just can i just connect that to egregores oh please do uh so we know that individual humans are weak But when we clump together, suddenly we are the most environment-changing species on the planet. Right. Um, You know, like, the amount of damage to the planet that one human being can do is nothing compared to what we can do together.
0: We can all (laughs) do it together. Destroy the planet.
1: Well, uh, you know, that's where it's going because of whatever whatever forces, and I know who I like to blame, but whatever. What, what the 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 larger point here is that intuitively we have a sense that individually we are uh we are weak we're small we're basically helpless against the elements but um but and our nervous systems are such that we are basically to to use the modern metaphor wired to function in groups um, you mentioned cults earlier here 's a piece of cult technology for all of you aspiring cultists out there and and there are many in this time of need and lack <laughs> um, If you want uh, a loyal following, get them chanting and nodding their heads together because what happens is that their nervous systems entrain and they do connect with something larger than the than the self, which is a, a deeply wired aspirational need that we have for community um in, in the ancient world, uh, exile was the big punishment right. Um, after execution, because you're not, you're not gonna, I mean, you might survive out on that Island that they exile you to, but you're certainly not going to thrive in solitary confinement.
0: Oh yeah. It's not, you're (laughs) not going to have a good time. You you'll, you'll be there. You're not going to have a good time though.
1: You're not, you're not going to have a good time by yourself in the corner. Um, and, and so I think that the, the religious need speaks to that, uh, that the religious impulse speaks to that human need to connect with something larger. Like, I, I don't know how far it goes. I don't know how big it scales. Um, but, but I, but my strong sense at this time with the data that I have available to me tells me that nervous systems love to network with other nervous systems and that we thrive in community and, and we sort of wilt, um, in solitude yeah and uh, and that's what and that's how egregores work in a nutshell for me at this moment whatever else they are when you're when you're reaching for uh, some kind of identity whenever you're evoking an identity you're you're speaking to an egregore i think
0: that's um there's a lot of interesting implications there for all sorts of things as far as both like political movements and oh yeah religions and even i guess really like you know magic in general right you know i well there's a reason that even though chaos magic as understood in like the the 80s and the the 90s is not really what a lot of us do anymore per se there's still a reason that a lot of us enjoy having that label right you know, yeah. there's a there's a sort of there is a sense of identity and kind of how we oh, operate yeah. attached to it as well. I'm not just me. I'm part of an egregore.
1: God damn it. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> man, you're not, it's not just me in here.
1: Um, no, yeah. I mean, it's not just me is huge, right? Like reality testing. How do we know what's real there? There, that that's, uh, that's huge for us. Like when, when, if you're in a room and you have an opinion and everybody else has a different opinion about something that happened, you'll start to question it. Getting back to that memory thing. If you oh, remember definitely. something having happened and you're talking to three other people that were there and they all remember it differently than you do that it, it, is it just me thing is going to start bumping.
0: Oh God. Oh yeah. I mean, and, and it's deeper than that too. Cause um, I remember um, I was hearing um, Hubert Dreyfus or her, yeah, Bert Dreyfus talking about Mm -hmm. how deeply ingrained like certain aspects of socialization and culture are into us he's like you know go into a restaurant and get a baked potato and start eating it with your hands and then start looking at how uncomfortable everyone else in that restaurant will be Mm -hmm. the minute they see you doing it and there's no reason Mm -hmm. there's no real reason you can't eat a baked potato with your hands but people will actively be uncomfortable about it because there's a sort of you know, again, there's a, a a connection here that we all like. No, we, hey, all of us agreed, even if we didn't say it, we eat baked potato with a fork. Calm down now. You're, you're messing with the order.
1: There's yeah, there's a kind of psychic immune response in an egregore right? Like mm-hmm. if you uh, the, that ostracization thing, if you step out of line, the egregore is not going to like it. It'll 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 react with antibodies. You'll get the memo.
0: Yeah, yeah, you'll know. Um, you'll know. Yeah. Wow. Uh we have we covered a lot more ground than I thought we would. Already, I had a list of questions from. Uh, I I didn't have I don't have a term for it yet, but I was going to start. I, I I labeled it in my notes as questions from the nuts, just to give them a bit of um let's, disparagement let's, and love. Let's give
1: them. Yeah, yeah. Let's do some of those real quick.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> what, what, well, what I was going to say we covered. Um. We covered a lot of them. Um. I think the one cool, that cool. we didn't get to was. Um. From uh yeah. uh you you did touch on it briefly, but I think I want to ask more than anything, like what really inspired you to do the new questioning thing the first time? Like what made oh, you Zen Buddhism, what? man? Oh yeah, of course, of course. I knew it. I was like, watch, he's gonna talk about expedient <laughs> teaching, isn't he? <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, you know, Zen and Socrates.
0: Uh yeah, yeah. I gotta go find the mean.
1: Yeah, I mean, of- it, I I mean, I can I can say my opinions, but what the fuck is that? You know what I mean? Like, I got opinions. You got opinions. Everybody got opinions. Yeah. You
0: know, well, and I mean, like you said, stop. I think um, if if you again, if you want to have a conversation with somebody, you don't tell them what you think. Yeah. You you start asking yeah. them what they think, and then you pick at it, and that's where you'll get any more of the fruitful conversation than anything. Because well, if this, you well, just say, is, "Well, this is what yeah, I think," exactly. and this I mean, is what you I, think. Mm. Go ahead. Go ahead. Hmm. I'm I'm definitely more interested in exploring than I am about
1: than in, in reinforcing my opinions and, and and enforcing my opinions and forcing my opinions <laughs> upon other people. I fucking hate proselytization. Probably childhood baggage, but also, you know, being the child of colonialism, it's it's a little loaded for me. Oh
0: right. Yeah. It's it's a little hard not to. Um you know but i mean i guess we can at least you know take solace in the fact that we actively notice it at this point i i've said that twice now but i think you know hey we notice things are kind of wrong here that's at least a step in the right direction hopefully i mean consciousness definitely has its uses yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's more it's for more than picking berries folks
1: just remember that although it's definitely useful in picking berries you don't want to pick those ones over there you want to pick the good ones that you can eat and not have stomach cramps and die (laughs)
0: um oh okay well here's here's one we didn't get to um someone wanted to ask about what's your personal beliefs about um the afterlife
1: oh yeah yeah that's a good
0: one yeah i think that's a good magic Um, question right uh i
1: I mean okay so first of all i'm going to preface this by saying agnostic AF. Um, the thing that informs my current beliefs about—I I have a need at the moment. I have an emotional need to believe in an afterlife. Um, and what I, what informs that need is my very very rudimentary understanding of uh physics, which tells me that. Uh, well, although they did just break this rule, but they told <laughs> me that. Um, energy is forever um i don't think uh of people as individuals that that's not correct of course people are individuals but but um for me more than that people are patterns like algorithms of narrative people are made up of stories right okay Um, and and those stories are made up of uh uh habituated energetic pathways i mean on a on a fractal scale right so the easy way to see it is i mean you can see it in people's routines or, or or in their lack of routines but you can also see it in brain structure um in preferences and uh so i think this idea this egyptian idea that um Parts of your soul shear away. I guess it's also a, a Buddhist idea that parts of your soul, what, whatever your the gestalt of you, shear away at different points. Like I, I think we can see that happening naturally. Like you know when when you're three years old and and big chunks of your interconnected brains stop being connected because you don't need those connections anymore. You become a different person. You start being able to form memories. And then later, you know, your brain goes through different stages where different things happen. And then in, in, uh, I guess there's a, uh, an esoteric Hindu idea that you have different stages of life that reflect that. And eventually you want to retire as your senses start to withdraw from the world. um, I think, I think we lose. So you, so when you die, obviously you lose your, your physical ability to interact with and manipulate the world, the physical, the material world. Right. Um, but patterns, patterns live on. Earlier I talked about uh, Faust and immortality. So um, there's a, 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 a viking idea it's not just a viking idea there's there's an old idea that uh you live for as long as you are remembered in story or something oh right
0: right, yeah
1: um and 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 that you is funny like we 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 often talk about like can you separate the art from the artist right can you separate the crowley from the crowleyism or whatever? yeah 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 um and and it's difficult because if we talk about an artist we use that 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 reference like i don't like them meaning i don't like their work i don't like the part of them that that exists in my head now right
0: right or if it's you know someone that's maybe you know has some problematic aspects and like oh like i really like their work they're a piece of shit or whatever
1: yeah but making that separation is challenging right oh
0: yeah yeah it's you know but you know well like and it's it's a mixed bag it's like you know again of course the the easiest answer to that kind of just turns into like, well, people just use it in whichever way works for them at the moment, which is, you know, again, back to just shifting narratives. But um, yeah, I think, you know, more than anything, the, the I think the quest for some sort of immortality or the belief in an afterlife is probably the one of the biggest driving forces of art, and yeah yeah it's like it's <laughs> yeah. i mean it's it's you know, yeah. like you said it's it's you know it's like everyone you know i mean when you musicians everyone wants to just make the song that's going to be sung forever and you know right. it's like you know whether or not it's an active decision of like oh yeah if i make this song people are going to remember me forever or if it's just the idea of like well something i do is going to last well i mean it's like graffiti tagging
1: right like i think that the the reason to tag is so that you can have a little piece of immortality the same the same reason that egyptians would erase a leader that they didn't like from all of the monuments yeah yeah (laughs) yeah you you no longer and and why i won't say some people's names
0: oh yeah yeah
1: <laughs> um I, I yeah so i so i don't know there so my my feelings about afterlife are complex i as far as like an experiential sub, a subjective experiential afterlife for the person who's after living i i don't know that we need that like, right where are you when you're in the deep dreamless sleep you know what i mean <laughs> like
0: i'm in my it, bed usually it, but <laughs> yeah well ideally, <laughs> yeah ideally ideally <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh God! Okay. Um. All right. One more question from the the peanut gallery here. Um. Are there any magical or spiritual practices you regret actually spending any time on? Oh yeah, definitely. Oh yeah. Anything specific spring to mind on it? Uh, oh yeah, definitely. Very specific. <laughs> oh God. <Are> you- <laughs> why would i publicize it <laughs> oh man okay okay I, all right i mean fair fair point fair point i don't i don't talk about uh, I, I, I don't talk I about my say, devo phase. Okay, so
1: <laughs> i when i was going through my fuck around and find out phase <laughs> when i was going through it i like putting it in the past text it sounds like be on that now. um yeah i uh i dabbled in some shit i have a I, i've been very blessed to have an occult mentor who is, I I mean, he's, he's my, he's my friend, but he's also um, a very well-respected occultist whose day job is being a professor in an unrelated field. Um, And when I told him that I was going to start dabbling in this particular branch of the occult, he was like, Hmm, I don't know if I would do that. (laughs) <laughs> and then i did that and then reality got real fucking wonky Oof. and um in in the way that like you know like we can have conversations all day about theory of magic but like reality moved to match my neurosis for sure. Like there were objective things happening that were just bizarre. In addition to everything going all Fellini all of a sudden. Oh nice. Like, you know, weird clowns just in the park and, you know, decorated Rams heads for sale at a yard sale or whatever. You know, just oh, like, sick. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like you have to share because so, our listeners yeah, are going to want to go do I, this. I would say like I don't I don't believe in magic, which was which was not adequate protection for me at that time ah yeah so be careful out there kids
0: yeah. I mean <laughs> I think every every person that's doing magic has to have at least one experience of being like ah oh, shit fuck yeah I want reality to go away but it's not going away fuck what do I do I mean yeah also
1: Saki wrote the monkey spa right and everybody read the monkey paw, and they were like oh that's hilarious and everybody wants a monkey spa you know yeah exactly so good luck Uh good luck reinventing that wheel. Yeah,
0: have fun with it. You know. Have fun. (laughs) Have fun. Or or whatever you need to have out of it. Yeah. Yeah, you'll you'll I mean, you know, you might as well have fun. You you won't have much of other options by the end of it. I
1: mean, you know, if you can get to the point where you can laugh at the absurdity, at least there's that.
0: Yeah, at least you have that. Well, I mean, honestly, I think I guess here's a good place to end it, right? You know, as good as any. We end where is we where we begin. So um really thanks for coming on i you know this is probably one of the best conversations i've had in a minute even if it was kind of all over the place but you know it fits the theme of tonight for me at least so um yeah with that being said um you have anything you want to plug or anything you want to say to all the people listening i will yeah uh good luck
1: and godspeed with your work Big W work. Um, if you are so inclined, please check out the Beardsley randomizer on Substack. Uh that's that's where I'm uh putting I, that's where Faust is evolving. Uh eventually there's probably going to be a book in it. Um, but for now you can see it in bite-sized episodes. Uh feel free to interact if you would like to see more of something over there or don't understand what the fuck is going on. Let me know. I'll be sure to um
0: Note it, even if I don't clarify anything. Yeah, uh, everyone, check it out, please. Again, it is it is some of the best writing I've had the pleasure of being able to read over. At least, again, I mean, a, a good chunk of my year was spent having kind of settled into the new place that I moved, and one of the the strangest pleasures I got was at least looking in my inbox and being like, "Oh shit, Beersley wrote something else." At least I have something to do this morning. so Wow, um, that's
1: sweet. Okay, uh, well, with that being said, I'll get back on that because it's been a little bit fallow for a moment because I've been busy with other stuff. But I did just recently start to relaunch it, and I will get more regular with it. Um, I I have a little – I'm a little bit uh, challenged um, with this thing right now because – uh, I live in Japan, which makes it difficult for me to receive e- money easily from the United States. On the other hand, I—that's where my audience. Is. Well, the United States and Europe. That's where, and and sorry, <laughs> fuck, cut all of that. The English-speaking world <laughs> is where people read and understand my shit, and it's got no relevance or traction over here at all. So it would be nice to be able to, you know. Um, receive a cup of coffee for a story or something but uh yeah i'm I'm looking for a workaround if anybody has good ideas about that please please, uh, reach out well i I
0: gave you my option where you know just become a vtuber but you know i don't know how well your work will translate to that (laughs) uh i I mean people have also asked if there's going to be an audio component at
1: least and um it's possible but uh, yeah it, it really is an issue like patreon doesn't work with receiving money outside of the country
0: Ah, there's there's
1: no real easy um you you know japan's really good at being very detail-oriented and meticulous (laughs) to an extraordinarily anal retentive degree when when necessary so uh yeah so working through it but uh
0: Material conditions fucking us again, but
1: yeah. Well,
0: tell you what—if whenever you do find a workaround for it, I will not only throw Mm -hmm. it into this for people to look at, and then they can be like, "Hey, Beardsley found a workaround, so go give him some money." But I'll have you back on, and we'll we'll just talk about like, well, here's why you need to give Ben money.
1: All right, yeah. Let's (laughs) talk about why you need to give. This is that's always a weird one for me too, because because basically money is not my big driver. However, uh, you know, Mammon has made it quite clear that he's got his foot on my neck. So I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> let, let's just be real. You know,
0: we, you know, everyone hates money, but you need money to get a sandwich. And, you know, everyone That's loves a sandwich. I love sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. Oh, if anybody wants to come through and just buy
1: me a sandwich, we could do that.
0: Yeah. All right. Sweet. Well, all right. Um, this has been Chaos Magic News. Again, the only news outlet that is actively underwritten by the Illuminati um if as always if you have any answers to the jfk shooting or bigfoot's location please speak them out loud to your device right now an fbi agent will be dispatched to you you can check us out on facebook and instagram at chaos magic news you can also check us out on twitter at chaos magic news and other than that um ben you want the last word I will take the last word. Thank you so much. It was lovely. Yes, thank you, and again, big thanks to all the listeners, and thanks to Ben. We really appreciate you. We will see you next time.
1: I know is going to be a little weird.
0: Yes, that's right. I'm the the writer who's imagining you. Oh God! Now we have the nice little. Um, ending issue because my mouse turned itself off somehow so now I gotta freaking end the fucking call and that's fine I will give all of them this just so they can marvel at the amount of chaos that happened tonight <laughs> alright it was a lovely
1: it was lovely man thank you so much
0: I your experience. sincerely I not challenge accepted